Hello? How are you guys? I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. If you're visiting with us, uh, my name is Casey Tigert. I'm one of the pastors here at Parkview. I'm the spiritual formation pastor and I want to welcome you. Uh, if you are visiting with us, uh, would you do us a favor? There's a little tear-off card in your bulletin. Would you make sure and fill that out before you leave? Drop that in the offering when that comes by later, just so we can get some information to you that you might need or might want. We're in the middle of a series called God Is, talking about the major attributes and qualities of God. And uh, my job right now is to introduce our speaker for this morning, uh, Dave Stone is the senior minister at Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky. Not Louisville, not Louisville, Louisville. If you're from there, you're welcome. If you're not, that's just a little education thing. I grew up in the South, and so if you mispronounce our town names, we come after you. Um, Just saying, just trying to help you out here. But in Louisville, Kentucky, they have three campuses. They run around 20,000 people, which is one part of Dave's influence. But Dave is the kind of guy that uh, guys like me who are, you know, growing up and sort of getting our skills together, we look up to. They're guys who have had success, but they're also guys who have a deep, deep heart for what God is doing, uh, not only in Louisville, but also throughout the world. Dave is also a good friend of PTs, which means that he has an intense amount of patience and forgiveness. So that's a good thing. Too. Uh, so it's my honor and my privilege to welcome to our platform this morning, Dave Stone. Thank you, bud. Appreciate it. Thanks. Well, hello. How's everybody doing? Great. It is so good to be. I love coming back to Parkview. And uh, I just love this church. I love your pastor, uh, Tom Barlow. What a. <laughs> What a close friend he is to me, and uh, he and Danita, his wife, are just really touched my life in a special way. So, now Tim and Denise are awesome. I I always just I just was texting them saying thank you so much. Your people are so responsive, they're so kind, and uh, I good. I say responsive, and you clap. I think that's great. Uh, but I do want you to know I was a little hurt. I was not invited to the royal wedding here. Yeah, I know it. I kept looking in the mail for the invitation. So I was like some of you. I had to watch it on CNN and E! News, you know. didn't get to be here for it. And I think Tim was concerned that, that my accent and being from the country and from Kentucky might kind of hurt the people uh, from the other side of the family and might be a poor representation. So that, that stung for a short amount of time. But then, as always is the case... Tim always just rolls out the red carpet for me in some way. And I, I was totally caught off guard on what he did just to, just to affirm me on this trip. Every time I come to Parkview, you guys always are building a new building or you just have moved into a new building, right? I'm driving down from, from uh, LaGrange Road and I'm coming up here and I see that there, you've got a new church building on this street and that Tim Harlow named it after me. And I, I, I don't know what to say, all right? That's the nicest thing any preacher has ever done, the name, you know, the Dave Stone Church. And I just, I thought that was really cool of him. And so tell him thank you for me the next time that you all see him. i got a question for you. How many of you all are parents? How many of you are grandparents? 
I asked that last hour and somebody said to me afterwards, they said, no, it's really weird. I raised my hand like this for parents. And then when you say grandparents, I puffed my chest out and I put it up a little bit higher. And that's kind of kind of how it is. We've got a lot of parents in the room, a lot of grandparents in the room. We're talking in this series about who God is. What are some of the functions? How is it that, that, that he sets the example for us? And he sets a perfect example for us when we see that God is a parent. Now, how many of you feel like you are growing up in a home like this or you grew up in a home like this where you had very overprotective parents? Will you put your hands up? Be proud of it if you were. All right. Or if you if you are. I see some unusual glances going back and forth within your row, (laughs) even as I speak. But let me tell you, I will put my parents up against your parents any day. I had the most overprotective parents that there were. I mean, if if I went down the street to a friend's house, I'd be in ninth grade. Hey, you'd be back in 15 minutes. I finally asked him when I was in college, I said, why did you have this 15-minute thing? Well, we figured you couldn't get in a whole lot of trouble if you were just there for 15 minutes. So I spent my whole life 15 minutes different places. And my parents were overprotected with curfews, with a variety of different things. It's all the very same things that I'm doing with my kids now. You know, it's kind of fun this way. But my parents would say some of the craziest things. So when I was a kid, I started writing down and keeping track of the strange things that my parents would say when they would get upset with me. Okay? My mom would say, do you think money grows on trees? Okay? Did your mom say that? you think money grows on trees? No, mom, leaves. I know this. All right? Do you think that the living room is a gymnasium? Well, if we put a basketball goal up over there, I think we can make it one. You know? My parents were so overprotected with the toys that I played with. Any toy that I picked up, it didn't matter what it was. Every toy I picked up, my mom said, hey, 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 don't play with that thing. That thing might poke your eye out. <laughs> what? That thing might poke, I'm serious, it might poke your eye out. Mom, it's a beach ball, okay? <laughs> it's impossible. It can't poke your eye out, okay? So we would go all round and round. My mom said, stop tattling on your brother. Stop tattling on your brother. If you don't stop tattling on your brother, I'm going to tell your father. And strange things would happen when we would be eating food together. I mean, weird type of things. My mom would say, hey, eat your spinach. Come on, eat your your spinach. I said, mom, I really don't like the taste of spinach. Oh, no, come on, eat your spinach. Hey, if you eat your spinach, you can grow up and look just like Popeye. Well, that's the dream of every American male. Gee, I'd love to eat my spinach and look like Popeye. I'd love to have biceps the size of toothpicks and forearms the size of thighs, you know. Halfway there. Uh, And other things would happen. I'd be at the table, and I can be kind of talkative at times, and I can just kind of talk and talk and talk. And sometimes my dad would look at me, and no lie, he would say, shut your mouth and eat your food. Say what? (laughs) Shut your mouth and eat your food. Having a hard time with that corn on the cob, Dad. <clears throat> or in the summer, I would come come in, I'd be outside, come running in, 95 degrees, burning hot, air conditioner on inside. I'd come running in the house, and uh, I'd leave the front door open. My dad would be sitting in the lazy boy chair. Boy, were you born in a barn? I've often wondered if Joseph ever said that to Jesus. <laughs> 
Why, yes, Father, I was. Uh, oh, well, uh, yeah, just keep it open then, you know? I don't, I don't know what you say in a case like that, you know? My favorite statement I wrote down, though, was when I would be watching television and my mom would say to me, Hey, you need to go mow the lawn. Be after school, you know. Hey, remember, you're going to mow the lawn today. You've got to mow the lawn. I said, Mom, I would love to mow the lawn. But I am watching Gilligan's Island right now. And I really feel it. I think this is the episode. I think they're going to get off the island. Okay? You've got to go mow that lawn. You have to go mow that lawn. Finally, after an hour or so, I'd get up. I'd go out. And I wouldn't have any shoes on. And she'd say, where do you think you're going? I said, well, I'm going to mow the lawn. You want me to mow the lawn? Here, you are not going out there barefooted. Oh, well, why not? No, you're not going out there barefooted. Because that lawnmower will... Nice ringtone. Uh, that lawnmower will cut your legs off. So, oh, Mom, now wait a second. You've said some crazy things in your life. It is, it is impossible for uh, a lawnmower to cut somebody's legs off. I mean, it, it can't happen, all right? No, 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 come on, come on, Mom, I'm, I'm fine, I'm telling you, it could do some damage, but I promise you I'll be careful. Okay, 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 Mr. Smart Guy, go on out there and mow the lawn barefooted. But when that lawnmower cuts your legs off, don't come running to me. <laughs> These are strange things, they're weird, they're, they seem out of place. And what I want us to do today is we want to see some statements which relate to seeing God as a parent, God as our Heavenly Father. And while sometimes his statements are, are difficult for us to accept or even understand, they're always truth and they're always for our benefit. And the parallel between seeing God as a parent makes a lot of sense to many, especially if you had a spiritual, loving mother or father. But for those of you who weren't as close to your mom or dad, it becomes more difficult. In fact, it's a stretch at best. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus makes a parallel between earthly parents and heavenly fathers. He says this in Matthew 7, verses 9 through 11. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So I want to see four different things, four different ways in which we see God is apparent. The first way is we see it through his discipline. He disciplines us. We've all seen the five-year-old who has a meltdown as he's there inside the store and begs his dad for a Snickers bar and the dad says no and it goes back and forth until finally 20 minutes later we see them both leave the store and his mouth is full and his hands are sticky. We've all seen the two-year-old girl who looks like a princess, and then once she opens her mouth, she becomes a monster in your mind. Who hasn't stopped behind a school bus only to receive a special expression of sign language from an angel in the back? (laughs) That's always a special moment, isn't it? How do we turn out kids who will encourage the handicapped rather than make fun of them? who graffiti their Bibles with insights rather than bathroom stalls with profanity. Is it possible? Hebrews chapter 12, verses 6 and 7. The Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. 
You see, early on in the life of a child, there is this discipline phase. I would say that it covers the zero to five years of age category. Your primary goal as a parent is to establish your right to lead their little lives. It's a a phase of tight boundaries and not unlimited freedoms. It sets the stage in those five years for how they will respond throughout the rest of their life. And in those five years, it is your task to get control of your child so you can effectively train him. If you cannot control your child, you cannot train him to his full potential, nor will anyone else be able to. That's why this discipline phase is so important. Now, if you're not a parent, understand, we go through this same phase with God the Father. But it lasts much longer than just five years. He disciplines us. Why does he discipline us? It's because he cares. It's because he loves us. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 7b and and verse 8 says, For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. When I was in high school, both of my best friends came from broken homes. They had incredible freedom and few restrictions. It was very different than my setting. And they would brag and they would say, you know what, man, my dad doesn't care when I come in at night. And they were telling the truth. I can think of countless times in high school when we would try to decide whose house to go to after some event or on some weekend or after school. And the two of them always chose my home. Why would they do that? We had more restrictions. They had both lived in nicer homes. They didn't have a curfew. Why would they choose my house? And I finally realized why. I watched the way they watched as my parents would hug each other in the kitchen. I watched as they saw things within the dynamics of a home that they didn't have that they were missing out on. You see, you have an opportunity not just to influence your kids, but also to influence your friends' kids. Uh, Your kids' friends would be another way to say that. Uh, And when you think about your own life and the people that you're trying to touch, think about that godly example. You know, let's be honest. There will be times when we disappoint God. There will be times when when teens and and young, young people, they disappoint their parents. Well, parents, always remember, keep that light on. Don't burn that last bridge. So that when they come to their senses, they will know that you are there for them. And will know that there is a God that loves them very much. So first, we see God as a parent through his discipline. Secondly, we see it through the time that he gives. Time is very important in parenting. Becky seemed to work more diligently on her family picture than any of her other kindergarten classmates. I mean, she wanted this picture to be perfect. After all, this was going to be imprinted on a plate, taken home, and cherished forever. And so with the focus of a surgeon, Becky carefully drew a picture of herself beside her mom and the family dog. She even went to the detail of drawing a little baby inside of her mom's belly since she was pregnant at the time. And in Becky's mind, the picture was complete. The drawing was soon etched onto the plate and proudly taken home. There's only one problem. Becky's mom wasn't a single mom. Her parents weren't divorced. 
And now some 25 years later, her, her father, Ron, says, that's how she saw our family. I was working so many hours that I wasn't in the picture. And the plate got Ron's attention and it became a turning point in his parenting. In fact, my friend Ron still has the plate. And it reminds him that dads need to be intentional and involved in the lives of their children. So give them some time. Pour into them. And moms, make certain that you're in the picture. Dads, make certain you're in the picture. But the truth be known, although we want to be in the picture, we're not really sure how to do that. And the devil, the deceiver, paralyzes parents by saying, Oh, hey, don't worry about it, man. Your children will just naturally grow up to love the Lord. I mean, they don't want, nor do they need your involvement. And that is a lie straight from the pit of hell. They desperately need you. God is the ultimate parent because He always has time for you. He's available. He makes time. He takes time. If you need to talk to Him, He's there. Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. I was just reading through this. Come to Me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For My yoke is easy and, and, and My burden is light. God says, if you need to talk, I'm ready to listen. If you need a shoulder, I'll offer you mine. But we are to be God's hands and feet. We are to take God's qualities and to try to imitate them in our life. And that means if he has time for us, then we should have time for our children. There was a season when I was consumed with, with my ministry. And I was consumed with traveling and, and speaking more than I should have. I, I probably traveled and spoke four times as much as I do now. The problem was, it was at a time when I had very small children and young children. Sixty plus hour weeks were the norm for this driven workaholic. My self-imposed quest to provide for my family was actually causing me to neglect my family. And like my friend Ron, I wasn't in the picture. But all that changed one Father's Day. I was preaching that Sunday. Before my sermon, a soloist came up and she sang a song. And the words of the chorus that she repeated several times were were these words. Slow down, Daddy. Don't work so hard. Slow down, Daddy. We're proud of our house. We've got a big enough yard. Slow down, Daddy. We want you around. Daddy, please slow down. And when she finished singing... I confidently strode up to the pulpit to preach. And I tried to open my mouth and say something. I couldn't say anything. I was speechless. And tears poured from my eyes. And finally, I just looked back at the worship leader. I was overcome with emotion and with guilt. And uh, he came out and he sang a song we just sang a chorus so that I could kind of regroup and get my composure. Later I learned that when that happened, our children's ministry director, uh, Linda Brandon, was in that particular service with her young son. He turned to his mom and said, Mommy, why is Mr. Stone crying? And she very candidly replied, Well, when the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin in your life, sometimes you cry. 
She's not on our staff anymore. (laughs) Ouch. But you know what? She was exactly right. And thankfully, God used the words of that song in his providential timing as a wake-up call. And with the Lord's help, I changed. I intentionally placed my family where they belonged. Above work, but below God. And ever since then, I've been in the picture. Sometimes a little fuzzy. Sometimes a little out of focus. Sometimes not quite all the way in the picture. But but I'm there. Dads, you be encouraged You can do this. I mean, you really can. Just not on your own. Invite the Lord and your wife into that equation. From this point forward, things can be different. Things can be better. And moms, your children desperately need time with you. Time where they hear you commend them for what they are doing right. And encourage them for who they can become. Which leads us to another quality of God. And the third thing that we see that he gives us is he gives us opportunities to fail or to succeed. He gives us those chances. You see, good parents want you to find your sweet spot and succeed, but they can't determine that without giving you the opportunity to fail. God gives us those opportunities. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, that is a phrase that is repeated throughout the Old Testament. Moses to Joshua, Joshua to the Israelites, David to Solomon. It apparently was kind of like a a famous last word speech. It just kind of kept getting passed along like a a halftime pep talk. But we all have to realize that we need those occasionally because we, we do blow it. Sometimes we don't even mean to. Maybe you heard about the florist who hired a teenager to be his delivery boy to deliver sets of flowers to different places. And the boy did pretty well for quite a stretch. And then all of a sudden, one day, he had two deliveries at the same time. One was to a funeral home where a person had passed away. And the other was to a larger church that had just relocated and moved to a bigger sanctuary. Well, he made the deliveries, but found out later that he switched them and he got them in the wrong place. And an irate preacher called up the florist and he said, hey, we got a problem here. He said, what's the problem? He said, the problem is, he said, we just moved into this branch bank, a new big sanctuary. And in 20 minutes from now, we're starting our dedication service. And at the front of the sanctuary is this huge set of flowers that say, rest in peace. (laughs) Florist said, you think you got problems? He said, somewhere in this community, next to a casket, there's a set of flowers that say, good luck in your new location. (laughs) We have to give them a chance to succeed or to fail. And from time to time, we we all need the amazing grace that that only a, a father can give. Mark chapter 8, verse 35 For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. You see, our Heavenly Father wants us to seize those moments and pour into this life and pour into the lives of others. I know a lot of you raised your hand saying that you're you're a grandparent. Let me just tell you that you can do something. You can make a difference. Aunts and uncles, it's the same with you as well. You can be involved in the, in the life of a child. 
Last week, I got to do something that I rarely get to do. I was at this convention in Cincinnati. My parents, who were in their 70s, were there. My children, who were 16 and 19, uh, were there beside my wife and I. And we all six sat together in that worship service. The man who was preaching was talking about making ripples and how your life can, can ripple and affect so many different people for Christ if you let it. And later in the sermon, I, I saw my mom writing something down on a, a pad of hotel uh, post-it notes. And I saw her write something, and I saw her fold it over. And then she wrote something on another one, she folded it over. And then she wrote Sam on one of them, and wrote Sadie on the other one. And she handed them to me at the end of the sermon. She said, pass this down to your kids. So I passed them down. And I was next to my 16-year-old son. And I cheated and I looked. As he opened his up, not real big, but enough for me to see. His grandmother had written, God is going to use you to make a whole lot of ripples. Grandparents, your grandkids need to hear you say that. I mean, that's the way God sees you. That's the way God sees all of us. He doesn't see us for our problems. He sees us for our potential. He doesn't see us for our past. He sees us for our future. That's our job as parents and grandparents. God does it well. He sends encouragement to us through different people. And He sends it just when we need it. And He allows embarrassment or defeat to come just when we need humbling. There's one more area that we see God as a parent, and it's probably the one that you thought would be in here, and that is that God gives unconditional love. There has to be a foundation of that love. In John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. I talk to the parents and the grandparents. Let me talk to the teenagers in here. Let me talk to you students. Spend time with your parents. Don't always be looking for the very next thing to go to or the next thing to do. Your mom and dad love you more than anyone in this world. So, so take a break. Take a break from Facebook. It will still be there. Okay? Parents, you take a break from Facebook too. All right? <laughs> And spend some time together instead of staring at that screen. Find a show you can watch together. Maybe walk together or exercise together. Maybe it's a sporting event. Maybe it's a book that you read. Well, you say, Dave, I hate to tell you this. I'm 16 years old and uh, Dave, you don't understand. My parents aren't cool. Oh. Well, you're right. I've, I've met your parents. They're not cool. Okay? <laughs> But perhaps, but perhaps if you were to spend some time with them, some of your coolness might just rub off on them. You could take them under your wing, kind of like a special project. You could say, I'll teach you how to be cool. I'll teach you uh, how to tweet. I'll teach you how to text. I'll, I'll work with you. I'll do these things. And, and just take them under your wing and you can, you can help them out. Can I tell you something, teenagers? You, you, you don't need cool parents. You need parents who love the Lord 
and who love you and who are willing to invest in your spiritual life. And there will be plenty of years for friendship when you're 20 or older. But in these teen years, they're preparing you for adulthood and more importantly, they're preparing you for eternity. When I was 16 years old, I I ran for president in my senior class. I was involved in sports. I was involved in student government, a lot of different areas. But it was also at a time when my body was going through some really weird changes. My sophomore year, I was five foot six. When I came for the first day of school, my junior year, I was six foot one. So a lot of changes were taking place. My pants kept getting shorter and shorter and shorter. My parents just kept putting off because they knew they didn't want to just keep buying. So I, I can still hear my dad. Oh, no, hey, they look great. Really? <laughs> No, I'm serious. Knickers are coming back in. Really, this is, it's the look. It's the look right now. But it was an awkward time. It was a period of my life when my self-image was rather fragile. I tried to appear confident on the outside, but uh, on the inside, I, I wanted the approval of others. I wanted to feel loved. And when you run for office at your school, there is some vulnerability. There's always some fear. And the day of the speeches came, and the day of the voting came, and the school was informed at the end of the day over the loudspeaker what the election results were uh, just before we all headed to our buses to head home. But you know what I remember more vividly than even that exciting announcement? It was getting off of my school bus, walking two blocks down to my house, When I was a couple hundred yards away, I saw this huge poster on my front door. And my mom had put it up there. It said, win or lose, we love you. What she was trying to communicate to an awkward adolescent was simply this. Regardless of what others may think of you, within these four walls... You will always be a winner. She was expressing unconditional love. There was a relationship there for me. Regardless of my performance, regardless of what my peers thought, the love was unconditional. Give your children roots that they might grow and wings that they may fly. If you think you've blown it as a parent, remember this. You know, there are no perfect parents save one. And that's the one whose example we try to follow. You can't do this on your own. But the Holy Spirit working in and through you can make an incredible difference. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 24. The father of a righteous man has great joy. He who has a wise son delights in him. Now, your children will evaluate you on the whole, not on the part. They won't, they won't judge you based on, on one part of your, your parenting. They will look at the whole picture So make certain that you you teach them well. Recently, I performed the wedding of Leah Nash and Ryan Bridgman. Both come from very solid spiritual homes. And when it came time for the vows, they had each written out their own personalized vows for the other person. But the other person had not seen them, nor had they even heard them. And so this was all new to them right there in the moment of the wedding ceremony. And I want you to hear what both of them had to say. And their vows. But I want you to pay particular attention to what Leah says toward the end of her vows. She's a daddy's girl and I think you'll draw some takeaways from her comments and also from Ryan's. 
Watch this. Leah, as I take you to be my wife, I pray that God molds me to be the husband of your dreams, but more importantly, a husband in whom he is pleased. You are truly a gift from God, and I promise to spend the rest of my life treating you as such. I will cherish you, I will cherish you always, and never take you for granted. I will love you and be faithful to you alone. I will be a strong spiritual leader in our home, through good times and bad, in joy and in pain. When you need encouragement, I'll be there to build you up. When you need support, I'll be the rock for you to stand on. I love you, Leah. And it is with all my heart that I make this pledge to you and to God. I read these before he started, so I got the Kleenex for me. (laughs) Ryan Daniel Bridgman, you are quite simply the love of my life. In you, I have found my most trusted confidant, my greatest cheerleader, my spiritual leader, and perhaps most importantly, my best friend. You are kind, gentle, loving, caring, and thoughtful, and all-around perfect. Since I was a little girl, I have always wondered if I would ever find a man as good as my father. However, today that question has been answered in you. And today my biggest worry is will our future daughters ever find a man as wonderful and as endearing as you. And I pledge that I will care for you deeply, champion your causes, and love you forever. Thank you for making my life. Love, Leah. Did you see it? Did you hear it? Leah turns and looks back at her dad and says, All my life I wondered if I would find a man as good as my father. However, today that question has been answered in you. And today my biggest worry is will our future daughters ever find a man as wonderful as you are? Those words are words that every Christian father would love to hear. And in that moment, Leah gave a blessing to both her father and to her husband. But that wouldn't have happened if her dad hadn't poured into her for the previous 20 plus years. Do you realize what Leah was doing? Throughout her life and into adulthood, she was looking for a man who was a reflection of her dad. And she found one. Her dad was trying to model something for her, teaching her what to look for. Not just a reflection of an earthly father, but more importantly, a reflection of a heavenly father. Psalm 146, verse 9. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow. So for those of you who don't feel like you've got a dad, I've got news for you. You do. Someone talked to me in between hours and said, my mom wasn't a very religious person. She said, in fact, uh, my dad left us when I was five. But the one spiritual thing that my mom said to me at one time in my life was this. 
She said, when you feel like you don't have a father, you can always turn to God. He'll be there for you. And that's the message for all of us. We have a godly father who loves us. He loved us so much that he was willing to allow his son to die in our place. Max Lucado writes, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If he had a wallet, your photo would be in it. He sends you flowers every spring, a sunrise every morning. Whenever you want to talk, he'll listen. He can live anywhere in the universe, but he chose your heart. Face it, friend. He's crazy about you. Pray with me. Father in heaven, you are just that. You are a father. You are a father to the you are a father to the fatherless. You are help to the hurting. You are a mighty rock in our fortress. Lord, may we be some type of a reflection to others so that they might see you in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. I'm going to ask the servers to take their place for communion. Every time we talk about God as a parent, and whether I was doing ministry to students or adults, every time we talk about God as a parent, it always brings up these really strong emotions. As a parent, I I think about what God did with Jesus. And uh, I, I love my daughter, and I love you guys, but I don't think I would give her up for you. And so when you watch God as a parent... Look at us and know exactly what we need, know exactly who we should be and who he built us to be, and know the gap that exists between those two things. And he says, the only thing that I can really do to bridge that gap is to send my son so that death is no longer an obstacle, so that the shackles of sin are gone, so that all those things fall away, so that they can be the people I made them to be. God wasn't just doing something religious. When, when we celebrate this act of communion with the elements, we're, we're not just doing something religious that we do every time we get together. What we're basically saying is we're celebrating the greatest parenting decision that was ever made in the history of the world. The moment when God said, the best thing for my people is for my son to die. For me to give up my only son for them. So that not only... Could he show them the way to live, but so that they could be free to live that. So they could be free from their pasts. So they could be free from the things that ensnare them and tangle them and keep them separate from me. It's an amazing thing to think, as the scripture says, how great the love of God is for us that we should be called his children. Because he parents us. He corrects us. He nurtures us. He guides us. He gives us the opportunity to succeed and the opportunity to fail. He does all those things that good parents do, and he leads us along the way. So as we take these elements together, the juice and the bread, the blood and the body, bring to your mind the fact that this is not just some ritual. This is a celebration. This is a celebration of a father who loves more deeply than I could ever love my daughter, than you could ever love your kids. Let that thought roll around in your mind as these elements come to you. 
Let me pray for us. Father, right now we're so grateful for what you have done. We're grateful, God, that you saw the need that we had. You saw the fact that we needed to be set free, that we needed the room, God, to be free from the things that hold us, the things that ensnare us, the things that shackle us. And so you set us free. You set us free by giving up the one thing that you love most. You set us free by giving up your son. We are so grateful for that. And so as we take these elements together, remind us of how wonderful of a father you are, how great a parent you are, how perfect a parent you are. And let it challenge us to be better parents, grandparents, and kids. Thank you, Father, for all that you've done. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.